Wow, that's beautiful. And it's been an awesome worship time, hasn't it? Are you guys tired of smiling yet or clapping your hands or saying amen yet? Well, I hope not because I'm, we're going to do that a little bit more tonight, today. So, If you have your bulletins and your Bibles, your bulletins will kind of be your guide for where I'm going to be today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, John 1, verse 14, and Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 11. Most of this service has been centered around what happened at church camp this uh, past month in June. Uh, We took a group of uh, 15 students and two sponsors to a camp called Wild Week, and it was wild. Uh, We encountered God in new ways and uh, in our worship time, in our breakout sessions, and uh, just got to spend some quality time in our youth group together, and they... uh, Everybody there, I think, encountered God in a new way. Nine of our students made big commitments to to God. Most of them already knew Jesus, were already saved before, but this was their their rededication, their act of obedience and following Christ uh, closer, of following Christ more fully and making that a public decision. And some of that you saw here in our baptisms today. The following week, we went to Super Summer. We took a group of six to Super Summer. And that was an awesome experience as well. It was more of a a leadership camp. um, But we also uh, had God. God was there. God was present. And it was just amazing to see him at work there as well. So there were others who uh, made decisions at camp. And there were some who who didn't make public decisions. But we knew that God was there. I think everyone felt God's presence there. And that's okay that they didn't make that public decision. No one was pressured into doing it. I didn't think anybody was doing it because their friends were doing it. They all made that decision in their heart, and that is so awesome. Don't we serve an awesome God? I would just like those who went to church camp with us to stand where you are. We give these a round of applause. Thank you, guys. Obviously, some of them aren't here this morning, uh, but that's okay. Um, I felt uh, it's an honor to be serving here as your youth pastor or associate pastor and to be serving with these students. They, they are so cool, and I love them to death. And I know you all do, and I'm grateful for that because it shows in your prayers for them. It shows in the time you spend with them, and it shows in, in the, the financial support you give to them. And the spiritual experiences that these students had at camp this summer would not have been possible if it weren't for your prayers, your time, and your financial support. You are a great inspiration to me and all of these students. So thank you for all the love that you share with them and the encouragement that you give to them. However, I want to keep challenging you. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on showing love to these students. Because now is the time when it gets rough. It gets hard. When you're away from camp, it's been about a month now, and I'm sure these campers, as well as I, have experienced difficult times of of doing your quiet time in the morning, of spending quality time with God, because at church camp, you have this time that's set aside to worship God together. There's time to to do your quiet time. But once you're back at the world, it just all kind of gets lost in in chaos. And we have to really commit to follow Christ uh, each and every day. So it's hard to stay focused. So I'm asking you as a church family, 
to keep encouraging these students, to have spiritual conversations with them. Go out of your way to love on them because they need it and I need it. So I want to share with you this morning about what I've gleaned from church camp. We went, I went to two church camps back to back. It was two long weeks, but I, I, it was so awesome. So this morning we'll look at Mark chapter 10 from one of the church camps. The, the theme was hashtag but God. Hashtag but God. And this comes from a familiar saying of Jesus in verse 27 of Mark 10. Just after the rich young ruler comes up to him and says, I've done everything to follow you, Jesus. And he says, well, one thing you lack is to give all you own to the poor and follow me. And the rich young ruler walks away sad because he has a lot of things, a lot of stuff he doesn't want to give away. And then Jesus says, how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And at this, the disciples said, who then can be saved? And Jesus responds by saying, with people it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. Hashtag, but God. With, with people it's impossible, but God turns the impossible into a possible. The reality that we're all faced with, with is that there are many things in life that we have no control over. And the understanding that there are simply just some things that are impossible according to our standards. Hashtag, but God is always in control. And there's no limit to what he can do. There's nothing that's impossible with God. And for many of you, the fact that you're here today is a testimony of that. Nothing is impossible with God. You may have heard of the name Earl Campbell before. He played football at the University of Texas. Uh, he won the Heisman Trophy, going on to play for the Houston Oilers and the New Orleans Saints in the late 70s and 80s. Campbell was known as one of the best power running backs in the history of the NFL. Football was his passion, and, and it was his, in his blood, if you would say. Earl Campbell had a son, his name was Tyler, who grew up with the same passion for football and same skills and talents, just like his father. But eventually, he was diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis, which is an unpredictable, often disabling disease of the central nervous system that disrupts the flow of information within the brain and between the brain and body. Tyler Campbell's dream of playing professional football was ended abruptly. Of course, this was devastating to the young athlete and was something that he had no control over. But God used it in a powerful way. Tyler Campbell was at Wild Week with us, and he shared his testimony of how God used this tragedy in his life to become one of the greatest things that has ever happened to him. He praises God for his MS because it enables him to witness to others who are going through the same thing and allows him to respond to a greater calling that God has on his life. I wrote this down when he said it because I believe it's so powerful. He said, your battles can be your blessings, and your tragedy can be your triumph. Your battles can be your blessing, and your tragedy can be your triumph. I believe we serve a God who can turn our battles into blessings and our tragedies into triumphs. Some of our greatest weaknesses, God can turn into our greatest strengths if we just trust in him. We, can, we serve a God who can turn our setbacks into setups for his kingdom and his glory. So at camp, we talked a lot about these moments in our lives that are called for 
uh, a miracle from God. And we called them hashtag but God moments. We all have areas in our lives that are seemingly impossible situations for us to face. But God makes a way. He always makes a way for us. Especially at the times in our deepest, darkest moments, and at the times where the possibility meter is at 0%, God makes a way. I'm sure there are many of these moments in your life that you can think of. And maybe you're going through one, one right now, that the possibility meter is just at 0%. You've, you've given up hope. But God, with God, all things are possible. God is a God of possibilities. He's a God who comes through not just some of the time, but every time. He's a God who's conquered sin and death and who is able to restore you to being made new and complete even after living a life of brokenness that is stained with sin. This restoration and forgiveness is impossible in human terms. There's no hope. But God made it possible. He sent his son to live among us, to guide us, to be with us, to pay the impossible price of our sin on the cross. And when he died, it was impossible for him to be made alive again. But with God, all things are possible. You guys are getting it, right? God rose up from the grave and on the third day proved to us that with him we no longer have to fear sin and death, but that we can experience what it means to really live on earth as the way he intended us to live. And when our time on earth is finished, we will spend eternity with him in heaven. That ought to make you smile. Clap your hands and say amen, right? Talk about a hashtag but God moment. Jesus is our greatest hashtag but God moment because he came to earth and dwelt among us. He lived as one of us, not because he had to or any other reason, but because he loved us so much that he gave up his life in heaven with God so that we could spend eternity with him. He is our perfect example of how we are to live. And this transitions into the next theme of our next camp. It was dwelt as he dwelt. The idea comes from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And our passage starts by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all that came into being, came into being, was through the Word. And when we jump down to verse 14, it says that that very same Word did something so amazing. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Your Bible may say something like, in the word tabernacled or lived, made his dwelling among us. By taking on human flesh and dwelling among us, living as one of us, Christ's life on earth radically changed the world. The creator of the world came down from heaven to live with us so that we can know him, have a personal relationship with him. That's impossible. But with God, it is. Isn't that amazing? to be able to know the all-powerful creator who created everything in the world, to know him personally and for him to listen to you. C.S. Lewis wrote about a concept called the sting of awe. And I I thought this was really cool. The sting of awe. You feel the sting of awe when you're looking up at the mountains. You're in awe and wonder of how beautiful the mountains are. You look at the stars 
or you look at the sunset or, or something that you're just in awe of. But the reality sinks in that whatever you're in awe of doesn't even know you. The sting of awe is felt as, it, as you stand in front of something so incredible that it doesn't even respond to you or notice you. That's got to hurt. The sting of awe. Hashtag, but God notices you. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. He's the one who created the mountains, the stars, and the sunsets. And all these things we're in awe of in creation. God created them. And no, he shouldn't even notice us. He shouldn't even pretend to to have a relationship with us. But God does because he loves us. And he desires to live with you and me so much so that he came and lived with us as one of us. The word that was with God in the beginning who created all things dwelt among us because he was motivated by his love for us. And as Christians, we're called to follow Christ with our lives. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. We are to imitate Christ, to look like him, to act like him, to think like him, to love like him, to dwell as he dwelt. The speaker at camp called Christ's love for us a die-for-you-at-your-worst type of love. A die-for-you-at-your-worst, that's your very worst. That's the kind of love that God has for us. It's an unconditional love that chooses to give it all up even when we're at our very worst. Romans 5.8 says, But God, there it is again, But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At our very worst, while we were still sinners, deep in our sin, when there's no way out, it's impossible, Christ died for us so we can be set free and live eternally with him. So I ask you, what are you motivated by? Are you motivated by love? Because there's a potential for us to be motivated by something other than love. Anger is one of those things. We talked about this in Sunday school. Anger often becomes the motivator of of our actions. It drives us to do things that are the opposite of love. Pride can also become a motivator. Because the world teaches us that we have to be the best. We have to own the best. We have to have the most expensive things and live in the most comfort as possible. But these motivators and many others make it hard, difficult for us to be obedient to what God is calling us to do. That's why Christ said how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. In order for this love that Christ has for us, this die-for-you-at-your-worst type of love, in order for this type of love to be seen in us and to motivate us, Christ must be at the center of our minds and our hearts. But if our thinking is mostly self-centered, then Christ's love will not be the motivator in our lives. If we focus on our own wants and our own desires, then we're not being true imitators of the Savior. Because the very act of him coming down to live as one of us was completely selfish, selfless. Completely selfless. He focused all of his attention on us and on others. 
Over in Philippians chapter 2, Paul explains that we need to have the same type of attitude and type of thinking as Christ. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. We need to have the same mindset of Christ. And when we think of Jesus, we ought to think of his humility and love. You know, most commercials these days, they feature someone famous in order to get their product bought or to connect their brand to a well-known star or athlete. These big businesses use advertisements featuring famous stars so that people will end up buying or wearing their products that this, this company makes and buy them. They want to be like them. They want to be like these idols, these athletes, these heroes. They want to be like Mike. Any of y'all remember that commercial? Want to be like Mike? It's an old Gatorade commercial featuring Michael Jordan. It showed several of his great athletic clips under the premise that if you drink Gatorade, you will be like Mike. There are many other commercials that use this same idea. For instance, if you see Matthew McConaughey, you'll notice that he drives a Lincoln. So if you want to be like Matthew McConaughey, you're going to have to buy a Lincoln. Peyton Manning has nationwide insurance. And the idea is that if you're thinking like these famous people, then you will buy the same products that they're endorsing. And when you think of Jesus, you ought to think of his humility and his die-for-you-at-your-worst type of love. And when you think of humility and you think of love, you ought to think of Jesus because he's the one who modeled it for us so perfectly. So if we are going to be like Jesus, then we ought to love like he loved, live like he lived, and think as he thought. Jesus was motivated by his love for us. So much so that he exchanged his seat of comfort, his seat of glory and honor. Next to the Father in heaven, he exchanged that seat with no pain, no sorrow, no weakness. He exchanged that seat for a seat of pain, a seat of shame and weakness. He freely chose to take, all, take on all of the things that make it scary to be human. He took on death. He took on our sin, all because he had compassion on us. And when I say us, I mean all of us, every single person in the world. His love isn't just for us here in this room, or us as Baptists, or us in our family, but it's also for them out there in the world. His die-for-you-at-your-worst type of love isn't just for us. It's for them. We need to bring that love to them. He loves the poor and the rich, the Christian and the atheist, the murderer, the cheater, and the very worst of all humankind because he loves us with a love, a die-for-you-at-your-worst type of love. Christ loves you, and he delights and desires to use you to dwell on this earth the same way he dwelt here on this earth. So here's a tough question for us. When people see us, do they picture Jesus? When they see us, do they picture Jesus? And when they think about Jesus, 
when they think about Jesus and Christians, do they see you? Well, that's a tough question. Do people see Jesus in you? Are you modeling Jesus with your life? As Christians, we are claiming the love and grace of God in our lives, which ought to be seen in the way we think, the way we love, and the way we live. And maybe you're here this morning, and you've, and you've made an agreement with God. You've filled out everything, and you're saying, no, this is how it's going to be, and I'll sign it, God. This, this sounds good. This is a good agreement. And in exchange for all of these conditions you've written down for his blessing, it's, I'll do all these things, God, if you just bless me. But that's not the way Jesus thought, and neither should we. God isn't interested in a conditional agreement or semi-obedience. Instead, he wants complete surrender. There's this term in a game called spades, called going blind mill, where you don't look at your cards and you say, I'm not going to take any bags. I'm not going to win any of these hands. Blind mill, but I'm not going to even look at my cards. In the same way, this type of obedience that God desires from us is basically going blind mill, is surrendering of completely to God. Instead of filling out all the requirements, you just sign your name on a blank piece of paper and give it to God and say, I'll do whatever you say. My name's on there. I'm good for it. Here you go, God. Whatever your will. That's the way Jesus modeled it for us. Not my will, but thine be done. This is an act of complete surrender to God. Our obedience should not be dependent on the conditions or circumstances, but trusting in the faithfulness of God by allowing him to use you in a mighty way, whatever that may mean. I want to leave you with a few questions to think about and reflect on this week. And one of these questions was brought up at camp. It's, what do you need to do to hear from God this week? This week, what do you need to do to hear from God? Maybe there's something you need to get rid of. Maybe there's an act of a surrender. You need to uh, act, act in obedience to God. What do you need to do to hear from God this week? The second question is, how is love moving us? Are we being motivated by love individually, but also as a church? Are we being motivated by love, or is it something else? I also want uh, to ask you, what are some hashtag but God moments in your life? Something that God has brought you through that only he could do. I love to hear those testimonies. We need to hear those testimonies to encourage one another. If you think of something this week, give me a call, stop by my, the office or whatever. I would love to hear your hashtag but God moment. Seriously. Think about what God has brought you through that only he could do. And be on the lookout for something like that, because we're all going through something. And we need God to intervene in a powerful and mighty way. And my last question is, are you ready to sign the empty page in complete surrender and let him fill in the blank? Because that is what it means to dwell as Christ dwelt. Will you pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, you have shown us a love that is a die-for-you-at-your-word type of love, a love that is incomparable with anything else in the world. 
God, we thank you for showing that to us, for, for showing up in a powerful way in our lives, for making the impossible possible. God, we trust in you. We want to honor you and glorify you with our lives because, God, we know that's the way Jesus lived. We know Jesus thought about your will and your kingdom work. He thought about those outside of himself. We see that in his coming to earth as one of us and and dwelling among us and dying on the cross and being raised to life, God. Thank you so much for this this powerful love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this time, we're going to sing a a song of uh, closing song. Uh, I'm going to be here at the front if you would like to uh, maybe share with me a hashtag but God moment or you just need prayer or maybe you'd like to join this church or follow him in baptism. Now is the time to respond. If you'll stand with us and we'll sing this song.